0: Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Cricket Slouch. Uh, We are almost midway through the league phase of the World Cup and there have been not not that many close games, but we had a few surprising results uh, up till now. This is SP, your host, and I am joined by Sandeep, my regular partner in crime. Good morning, Sandeep. Good morning. And we have a returning guest in Hamza, who will provide valuable insights into the psyche of a frustrated Pakistani supporter. Good morning, Hamza.
1: Good morning. Good morning, everyone.
0: And finally, we have uh, Ajit, the host of the acclaimed Armchair Cricket Podcast, uh, who will talk us through the fortunes of the Netherlands team. Uh, Good morning, Ajit. Good morning.
2: Thanks for uh, inviting me here.
0: Our pleasure. And uh, may I congratulate you first and foremost on being part of the Sports Social
2: uh, podcast now. Thank you. Very kind of you. I was uh, surprised and happy to receive the invite. Whether it will yeah, amount to uh, anything, we will see.
0: <laughs> well, we don't know what it amounts to, but I think the sheer recognition is a pretty good reward, isn't it, for all the effort you take and the hard work that you put into it. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> now, excellent. Excellent. And also congratulations on Netherlands beating South Africa the other day.
2: Well, that was quite the result, wasn't it? The result of the World Cup, I would say. <laughs> uh, for you, yes. Uh,
0: I think for me, it was probably uh, the two games in which uh, England lost. Oh, <laughs> OK. <laughs>
2: Well, the the, dropping of the
0: World Cup was yesterday's game. Oh my God, that was bad. That was absolutely bad. But we'll we'll come to that. Um, I thought we'll just do a catch-up of the last week's matches. And we'll probably start with India and Pakistan. You know, the most hyped-up game of any cricket tournament. I think the ground as well was more or less up to capacity. You could see a few seats that were clearly vacant and, uh, you know, there weren't enough people in the grounds, but I assume that was due to the ticketing fiasco rather than a lack of interest in the match. Uh, I had a few friends who traveled all the way from Pune to Ahmedabad to watch that game. And as I was telling Sandeep last week that they found it difficult to get the tickets themselves. And it was, due to the kind intervention of Zahir Khan, that they managed to get five tickets for them. But they said that it was an absolute blast. Now, I was hoping for a much more closer contest than what we eventually got. And, you know, India basically romped home uh, with plenty to spare. Now, Hamza, what are your thoughts about the game?
1: Um, Hi there, yeah. I... Would say that the occasion got to Pakistan team. I must say, uh, they obviously first of all they lost the toss. And they were what wanted to bat second, but then when they were put into bat, they weren't really, you know. I think they were going for three fifty initially, and and Pakistan has got their own way to get to like three hundred plus, and that's to you know go slow and study. Up to 30 over mark and then take it from there. So, and you know, I think what happened uh, uh, after once Baba got out, you know, they were like, we need to get to 350, and they couldn't, I think pressure got to them. And then they couldn't judge the fact that Paul was there were a few balls which were just, you know, uh, laying. Length uh, low, the were ball was uh, you know sticking up uh, in the wicket as well. So I think w- w- there had to be a team meeting at the time where they would have thought that you know maybe two sixty two eighty would be a decent target here, but uh, not to be obviously. So I think uh, I think that's where Pakistan lost it, and I I think uh, I was uh, uh, listening to one of the players afterwards. Saud um, cheeky, and he also said that you know, occasion got to us. We were really you know, nervous and stuff. So that's that's I think where they missed missed us. Uh, there was another thing which was pointed out by I think Hardik Pandya as well that you know they were in in his post match interview that they were timid in their approach, and I think yes they were. I think and then then again, um, you know, team director Mickey Arthur also said the same later. So I think yes they were a bit timid. They should have gone for the kill, I must say, but yeah, and then then credit to India, they bowled really well on on a wicket where there wasn't much on offer initially, as in spin wise, uh, swing wise, they just kept it wicket to wicket, and then they changed their length so quickly. Uh, you know, when uh, when when they thought there wasn't much uh, swing on offer, they just pulled back their length, and then just kept it tight, kept it wicket to wicket and then it was up to obviously when partnership was developing between Rizwan and uh, baba uh, when when baba was there it was uh, it was just up to them to see whether they can you know um, go out of their comfort zone and you know and then change their and, and make indian ballers change their length but they didn't especially against the spinners I'm, i i think i think against the uh, medium pacers against pandya who, uh, and even uh, Chadul, they were okay. They were, you know, when when they were bad balls, they were trying to put them away, and they were doing obviously going at a decent rate from 150 to two. But as soon as Baba got out, um, and he, I think they just they, they should have realized at the time, I think that that perhaps 320, 330 wasn't the target that they should have aimed for. Uh, yeah, that's what my thoughts were. And once you once you uh, you know got out on 190 there was no coming back on that pitch there wasn't much an offer pakistan usually tends to do well when there's like swing on offer he spin or there's you know spinners have not been effective at all over the course of last 2 months or so uh, they're not in good form at all. So it wasn't going to be their game at all. Even I think 230-40 wouldn't have been enough. They needed at least 280. And then, you know, scoreboard pressure, good balls, would have made it hard. And then, you know, another frustrating thing for a Pakistani fan was that even though they had, they, were, they only had, you know, ballers only had 190 to ball at, even then, you know, they didn't hit the lens that the indian ballers were hitting they should have learned their lesson so what happened was that they, i i can understand that you know when they started they were bowling they were going for the swing and once there wasn't any swing then they started bowling short balls and um, you know rohit sharma just kept pulling them for sixes so that, and, and 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 that's what i w- wasn't able to understand because if you looked at, looked at uh, you know sirajs bumrahs and even Pandya's, some some of the balls you know, they were trying to ball a lot of cutters. Bhumra, obviously, he's a genius on on, on his own. He, he was even reverse swinging the balls. In the ball he got Shadab out, reverse swing. It, it seemed as uh, that, you know, the commentator Sanjay Manjrekar didn't pick it up. He thought that it was a leg cutter, but ball was reverse swinging. So he made it reverse from middle stump to the off stump. And, and and then he was um, and then he got I think Rizwan out on a, a, a you know off fitter and and that's what they sh- they should have tried to do once you know ball wasn't swinging even and when they realized that it was too late I think Shah- Shaheen when he came back for his second spell he uh, ball a slower ball and uh, Sharma got out on that ball and they were I think two what do you call it uh, they weren't very. Really, uh, you know even with the they didn't seem to have any plan they just they were just coming out bowling short balls which just was beyond me on a pitch which wasn't bouncing you know a lot and you didn't have a lot to score it was well you know you didn't have a bigger target it was only 190 so I think yeah it's I, if you have to just sum it up in a one line I think just occasion got big on them They were really nervous. You could see that they were nervous. Um, You know, once Barber and his one got out, they basically, yeah. And then I'm frustrated with the team management as well that they would have perhaps, you know, had a meeting at the time and said to them that, you know, we still have some time. Because I think we didn't play forty-three overs. They should have at least played what fifty overs in the large. If had they kept the larger picture in mind, because then their net run rate is going to play a crucial role when they, when it's going to be about you know making a place in semifinals. So yeah, these are my thoughts.
0: Good points, actually, and uh, you know I think net run rate was probably far. From their thoughts at that point, uh, you know, like we have been watching ODI cricket for years now, and we know that the most crucial thing that you need to do in a limited overs game is at least ensure that you're maximizing your batting opportunity and at least bat out the full quota of overs. Pakistan was at one stage 150 for two, and from there, they went to be what, 100? Was it 191 all out? They lost, yes. what, those seven, yes. you know, eight wickets well, well, for well, about, well. Ah, correct, so they lost about eight wickets for roughly 40 runs, which which is an absolute uh, collapse. Um. Now, you know, the Pakistan team is n- no stranger to such collapses, but given the importance of the occasion and the fact that they, it's not that they don't have any quality batters in the side, they, they have a decent bit, but... To me, it felt as if you know Pakistan didn't have the confidence; they they lacked that self belief that they could overcome from that situation. Especially after Babar got out, and then Rizwan's wicket, I think, was the more telling blow as well. Right. Indeed. Okay.
2: The other thing I noticed is uh, a little bit of a brittleness from the Pakistani middle order. See, at hundred and fifty-five uh, for two, Babar Azam played what I would call a little bit of a daft shot. But Rizwan was there and he was set, right? So the guys that followed South Shakil and Iftikar Ahmed, I would have expected that they would, you know, take a little bit of time out of the game. iftikhar Ahmed will look to score faster, but South Shakil is a very classical batsman, right? So for me, um, I wanted them to take some time out of the game and take the team to about... You know, it does feel like they were under pressure and I think Rohit Sharma did the right thing by bringing, uh, once Kuldeep started getting those wickets, he brought Bumbra back. That was again, wonderful thinking by Rohit Sharma there. But I'm thinking, if they had taken some time out of the game, they could have still built it up, taken it to 290, 300 instead of 330. I mean, uh, the point is to take a step back is what I'm trying to say. That's what I missed in this game and the next game as well from Pakistan. Sandeep?
3: Yeah, I mean, what I was about to say was I agree with most of the points that Hamza said, uh, that Pakistan uh, set off with the target of 350 in their mind. Uh, now, when they chase that uh, huge target against Sri Lanka, uh, when they chase 345, uh, uh, I mean, that's the way they built it up. They started off slowly and gradually up the tempo and then uh, uh, reached the target with the, oh, more than over to spare and that i think that's what they had uh the same idea in mind that they could uh, up the tempo and then uh, uh get towards uh, 300 or 350 but i mean sri lanka i mean india indian bowling is way better than sri lankan bowling uh, i think when we did the uh, preview episode sp yeah uh, you and me said that we had much more faith in indian bowling uh than we had in indian batting uh and I will like to throw some statistics here. Uh, Bumrah has got uh, 10 wickets at 13.4 and economy of 3.62. Jadeja has got seven wickets, average 20.28, and economy 3.75. Uh, Kuldeep has got six wickets, average 27.33, economy of 4.1. I mean, these statistics are phenomenal, even in any era of the ODI cricket. I mean, even in the late 1980s, 1990s, these would have been exceptional figures. And we are talking of these figures in 2023. I mean, this is absolutely remarkable uh, how well India is bowling at this moment. Uh, so, so that's what happened. I mean, the India bowlers came back and Pakistan had no plan B at that point. Uh, they just panicked. And 191 was never going to be a score they would defend. Uh, It was uh, quite a cannon fodder for uh, our batsmen. Uh, We can't really blame the Pakistani bowlers here because they didn't have much to defend there. Um, uh, So uh, I think it's squarely the Pakistani batsmen who didn't have a plan B uh, and lower their target and
0: uh, give themselves a competitive score to defend. So that's what happened. You know, what Ajit said, I think, is equally important because Pakistan, the way they were going, they were going to a really good clip. And, uh, you know, India's fifth and sixth bowlers were were not exactly containing runs and they weren't uh, taking early wickets at that point. So Rohit actually had no option but to hunt for wickets. And I think despite the initial punishment that Siraj got, he actually brought Siraj back in. And uh, to me, that that made a big difference because uh, you, you know he he did get who did he get uh, he got Barber actually, isn't it? And, and that triggered the whole collapse. And then not only did he sort of rest on that ploy and think, okay, now I might get some filler overs in and leave Bumrah for the end, as you know, probably many captains would have done, or at least a defensive captain would have done. Rohit just uh, went for the juggler, and he thought. Right, right, I've got a breakthrough here. Let me see how many more wickets I can get. Got in Bumra, Bumrah got those two additional ones. And basically, this just collapsed. I think that whole thing took Pakistan by surprise. And uh, either they may not have discussed their plan B beforehand or the people actually at the ground on the crease you know, forgot what those plans were, or just, uh, I I don't know, it was probably like a deer in a headlight kind of moment. Because, you know, given how well they were going, they lost eight wickets for 36 runs in a span of 13 overs. So they weren't protecting their wickets adequately, and it was not as if they lost wickets in the pursuit of quick runs either. So overall, yeah, it was just uh, an underwhelming performance from Pakistan, I would say. I, I had expected a little bit uh, of a better display from them. That They should have ended up with a score of 280 to 300, which probably would have been defendable. A- anything below 250 was yeah n- not, not going to stop India from winning that game. You know, unless... Because if we, if we remember the first game India played against Australia... You know, India were down three wickets for next to nothing on the board, and from there they had a solid partnership between uh, Virat and KL, and they chased down a similar 200-run score, uh, pretty easily, I would say.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say. I think you know, even before the match, I think what thing, the main thing that was playing on their minds was, you know, the first game of the tournament. England scored 286, I think, or 290, something on on those lines, and New Zealand chased it in like 36 hours. So they were like, India has got, you know, this huge betting lineup, and, you know, they've got the potential to obviously do the same. So I think that was playing on their mind. But this is what, you know, game awareness is, and where it should come to play, that, you know, you change your plans according to the situation. Once you knew that you've lost three quick wickets, you know, you've lost Baba, you've lost the, you know, middle order, then you you into the lower middle order. Then, even then, I think it seemed as if some of the balls were very good, but some of the, you know, wickets, it didn't seem that they think now that we needed to revise it and at least play 50 overs because we should add as many runs as we can, obviously, possibly. But there was no plan B, and that that is very disappointing, actually, to see. Uh, but obviously it's easy to talk but it's hard when like there's like 130,000 people in the ground and uh, but yeah it's just it's frustrating on my bit because you know obviously winning and losing is part of the game but I was expecting a lot better game from them even without the same. I thought if they could have got like 280 they could have made a game out of it. India would have perhaps still won but at least it would have been an interesting game.
0: Yeah, I think the other thing that hurts Pakistan is basically the lack of a reasonably good wicket-taking bowler for the middle overs, isn't it? It feels that now, in the absence of Naseem and after that recent injury to Haris Roof, they they just don't have any bowlers that they can fall back on to take wickets.
1: Yeah, the thing, thing with Nasim is that he's a three-phase bowler. He bowls, you know, if you look at his numbers... Um, for middle overs, I think they are the best for the middle overs, So, which is a rarity nowadays. So he he's very good at the top. And even though he may not get as many wickets, but he keeps the pressure going from one end so that, you know, other person can get wickets. And then he can come back for a three over four over spell ball like back of the length balls. And then he's phenomenal at the end as well. So I think they are missing him dearly. But then again, that's their own fault as well. He was carrying this injury for like in last year. He played in Netherlands
0: with this injury, last year. So I mean, right. what can you say? Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, while we are on that topic, what what's happened to Pakistani fielding? Like for a brief period of time, it felt as if they had actually improved, and then from what we saw in that game against Australia, it was back down to old habits again.
1: I think, yeah, I completely agree. I think, first of all, it's just sad to see, basically, and sad and funny at the same time. So if you look at the Sama's body language uh, before the match, I, I was watching it, actually... Yeah, I was even when the match started. You, um, you could see that you know he was really, really nervous. And you know, I, I think this social media thing really adds up. You know, plays in players' minds as well because he's he was being you know hyped up for a while now. That you know, Shahab is not doing this, Shahab is not doing that, which is see, true as well. So he, he was really nervous, and you could see he couldn't even. Get you know put put hands to the ball when the ball came to him. So it was yeah. him, and then after that, they you know after that I think once they just started hitting, they just Pakistanis had made their mind that you now they're going to be chasing 350. They were just thinking about batting after that uh, because because you could just sense that
0: they had, it just changes. They, yeah, you're right. Yeah, for a while yeah, I yeah. thought uh, you know there were like three or four uh, Umar Akmal's or Kamran Akmal's in the team suddenly dropping all these catches.
1: Yeah, I think one was dropped by uh, even Babar as well. Babar not expect- Yeah, he was sit- he was standing in the slip, but perhaps wasn't expecting the ball to come there. Then I would think, why why were you there in the first place? Because he wasn't. You know, if you're standing in the slip, you'd. You know, sit when the ball comes. You, you know, you sit, uh, start the ball with the sitting position and then gradually, you know, you, you stand up. But he wasn't properly prepared for it. I, think uh, obviously I don't, I don't think were... he
0: expected it. And uh, the, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I think of all the chances that they draw, Barbers was probably the tougher of all the chances. I, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. that, you know, he, should, oh. he shouldn't have caught it. He should have, given where uh-huh. he was. But uh, the others were just absolute dollies.
1: Yeah, especially I mean, dropping I mean,
0: Warner drop early on. I mean, come on, you you can't. I mean, I know Warner's not in the best of forms to begin with, but you know, when you give him a life like that, he he will cash in.
1: Yeah, so he was dropping Spain. nine and uh, I think hundred and nine. So so then, what were you expecting? I think he was. They should be thankful that they didn't score a two hundred. It, it was all over that Taunton game from twenty nineteen again. They dropped him in the I think first spell. Then they dropped him again and he scored like 130-40. And even though in that game they restricted Australia to 307, obviously couldn't get it. It was a small ground as well. Opening partnership was 150 or something between him and Finch. It was just basically the same again. Thing, thing with uh, Australians uh, is that they, they you know, once they t- see that you're down and out, they'll just go for a jugular. They'll just, you know, go for the kill. Oh and yeah, absolutely.
0: That, yeah. I, I don't think I have seen any other team take advantage of incidents like this as many times as Australia has done.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, so so they and they also you, you could sense that you know the thing with Pakistan is that they need either batting or bowling. They need first three, four overs very good. And then you'll see that spark in the in the field or in you know in the body language of batting. And once you know you drop a cash like that, and oh, you're like, oh, this is going to happen again. And then you know it, it seemed that body language just dropped, and they were like mentally prepared for 350. And, like and the, you know
0: uh, we are
2: talking 11. of all the negatives. Okay, yeah, bye. no, no, go on, GTA. We were talking of all the negatives. Indeed, they sort of panicked. The fielding sort of suddenly dropped. Standard was last. I mean, this was definitely a 400 from where Australia were going, right? They promoted Glenn Maxwell to one drop. What I would like to give credit to uh, Pakistan bowling is the way they came back in the last 10 overs. Because I think they really, in the last seven overs or something, I remember Australia scoring less than run a ball and losing like four wickets or something, right? So... A bit of credit also goes there, where I think twice in a row, Pakistani bowlers sort of saved. Um, They're at least kept it to a, something chaseable, in those big chases, but twice. I mean, this was a probably a, probably a bridge too far. But I thought Shahin Shafridi has been growing and learning through the tournament. He got a 5 for there, very deserved. Haris Rof has been having a pretty bad day, a pretty bad tournament already. So I must say, not just a bad day. And I really appreciated the way Pakistan started. I mean, again, pretty much the similar sort of a story where, you know, Rizwan um, was there. He was setting it up. After the openers had done such a good job, you see around the 30th over, Pakistan were perfectly in the game because they had 200 at the end of 30 hours. I think it was 200 for three precisely. So I was like, wow, this is going to go to the wire. Because from here, there are many T20 players to follow and they know how to chase this sort of a total. I know it's different... Uh, thing to chase it against Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins and so on. But I mean, I think Zampa bowled really well, but they played into Zampa's plan there. The LBW of Kar Ahmed, the way he got Nawaz out, that that I felt was a bit of a gimme there. Otherwise, they were in the game, even, even halfway point, beyond the halfway point. I thought once they pulled it back and how they started, I was really hoping, you know, they'll capitalize after the 30th over when they're in the chase. I think the damage had been
0: done a lot earlier than that because if they had managed to hang on to those catches and if Warner had been out pretty early, like his first one, you know, they probably could have changed the way Australia approached that innings and maybe Australia would have played, I I wouldn't say like very defensively or too overtly cautiously, But, you know, they wouldn't have been as cavalier as they were right at the beginning. And I think it would have given Pakistan a little bit more confidence knowing that, okay, they've already snagged Warner and they just need to manage that middle phase uh, pretty carefully. And that could have been the difference between a target of 365, 367, whatever they ended up with, versus something which was around 320, perhaps. And I think 320 would have been a much more gettable target for Pakistan. Even with the loss of those regular wickets,
2: I mean, it's just they had the confidence. The way I look at it, they had the confidence carrying into this chase, thinking if we have done three forty-five plus ones, we can do this three sixty-seven. I mean, they are a professional team in as much that they believe that you know, first half is done now. The second half is a different, entire different entity. Yeah, that's For me, true. That's true.
0: Yeah. But, but then this is Pakistan we're talking about much, you know, anything <laughs> changes just at the mm. flick of a switch kind of thing. Um Sandeep you haven't said anything. Yeah, about- I mean
3: I was about, I I think I agree with the, uh, Ajit's point on the uh, death overs from Pakistan I think they've been exceptional uh, both against Sri Lanka and against Australia. Uh, against Sri Lanka I think they gave about 40 runs or something in the last 9 overs. Uh, which is phenomenal so that's one thing that is clicking for pakistan at the moment uh the main cons- i i expect babar azam to come good at some point he has really struggled for runs so far but i think he will come good and uh, he uh, he should get the runs uh, the main concern of course is uh, uh khan i think Sharab khan mohammad nawaz OS. um uh, uh, i mean I, I don't know i mean Sharab khan is uh just a uh, um, bowler to be whacked at the moment, so I think <laughs> he's really struggling. I mean, that he bowls too many full tosses, and I mean, uh, b- and Pakistan are desperately uh, lacking a proper spinner at this moment, so that, uh, on the Indian pitches, that is going to be a liability. Uh so going forward, I, I mean, I had p- penciled down Pakistan for a semi final spot actually, uh, but I-, I think it's a bit touch and go at the moment. I think they have to. Uh, really up their game uh, in the middle overs. The batters have to come good, and um, they might still make it. But I, uh, I am not as confident as I was before. Uh, the, uh, the, this was when, we, when we discussed this, I mean, uh, Nassim Shah was still in the squad, so uh, the, so it's a bit different now.
0: So. Exactly, yeah. Because when yeah. we had that first conversation, Nassim yeah. Shah was still not injured and yeah. uh, it was a completely different looking outfit. Pakistan now have won two and lost two. The two that they have won is against Sri Lanka and um, uh, I think Netherlands right at the beginning. And their next assignment is Afghanistan, which probably may not be a very easy game for Pakistan, given this nice little rivalry that's developing between Afghanistan and Pakistan. And then they play South Africa, Bangladesh, New Zealand, and the last game is versus England. Now, my at this stage of the tournament, I think the battle for the fourth spot is going to be a three-way fight between Australia, England, And Pakistan. At one stage, I was pretty confident that India, South Africa, England, and most likely Australia will make it to the semis. Uh, But given the setbacks that Australia have had, and given how well New Zealand is playing, it looks like New Zealand may seal that third spot, and then these other three will have to fight for that fourth spot. Given how England have been playing, it makes it very, very interesting. And Australia, yes, they lost their first two matches, but they lost their two games against India and then against South Africa. And then they dished an absolute hammering versus Pakistan, and they beat Sri Lanka fairly comfortably as well. I wouldn't be surprised if they sort of beat uh, England uh, in the subsequent games. But New Zealand-Australia might be the more crucial game for them. And I think they'll just uh, win the rest of them. Run rate definitely will come into the picture as well. And at this point, Australia is sitting fourth on that table. And their run rate isn't too bad. But uh, again, it's anyone's game. But this is Australia. They know how to play in big tournaments. They always get their squad galvanized right at the right moments. By no stretch of imagination am I suggesting that Australia are going to go to the finals and win this tournament. I I don't think that they're capable, not capable, but I don't think they have the team to pull this off. But yeah, it it definitely keeps that middle section of the table very, very interesting at the moment. Courtesy of England's performances, of course, my favorite team.
2: (laughs) Yes, I mean... The way England played yesterday, they have really backed themselves into a corner now. But speaking of Pakistan and uh, Australia on the table, look, both have the same number of wins from the same number of games. And the net run rate, Pakistan are a little bit behind. If you were to look at it from a positive perspective, let's say they beat Afghanistan and Sri Lanka by a big margin. Right. And managed to sneak home in at least two of the other games. They're still in play. They'll have six. I mean, it's it's a bit of a a stretch, I understand. But for me, I'm not yet ready to write Pakistan off at this stage, simply because it will be probably Australia-Pakistan now because of the way England played yesterday and their net run rate is far worse. They have one win less, but also their net run rate is way, way I worse. I know. I
0: know. And if it right. wasn't for the pair of Mark Wood and who is he playing with? Willie or I'm Topley? At- at- Atkinson. 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 Atkinson, just Atkinson, Atkinson. Atkinson sorry, yeah. yeah that, that partnership was worth about what, 70 runs, I think in five or six overs or something like that and at the moment england is just marginally ahead of afghanistan in their return rate by 0.002 so it's a very very fine margin that they are so, sort of not at the bottom of that list so talk us through yesterday's game Ajit, because me being a superstitious guy i wasn't watching the match and uh, we are referring to the netherlands game or the england game no, the England, uh, uh, South, South Africa, Africa yeah. one. And then so, we'll talk about the
2: uh, Netherlands one. Fair enough. So for me, I followed it on radio mostly because I was traveling and so on. So first of all, I think they were very, uh, you know, they got off to a good start. England, they got Quintin de Kock in the very first over. But then you saw that Reza Hendricks and der de Dushan were were taking their time over the first six to eight overs. And they built it up well. And in the end, I think um, David Willey and um, even the way Mark Wood started, I think I was not very happy that um, they bowled a few short balls, sort of just short of good length balls, which are like the lengths you would bowl in England. In India, either you need to be a bit fuller or you need to be all the way back with at least the pace of the likes of Wood. They were guilty of bowling that in between length and I think Riza Hendricks really, really played them well. And then Der Dusen is in such good form, he'll keep company of whoever is batting. So, they both first sort of set up the base. And by the time Riza Hendrix was out in the 25th over, you South Africa are gunning for something really, really big. That wicket of Aidan Makram was a little bit of a bonus. And then Der Dusen immediately. But Heinrich Lassen stood there. So, at the second chance that I thought England had for a proper comeback was when they got David Miller in the 37th over. 5 for 243, you thought, okay, now this is another chance of a break. Can they come back strong from here? Can they restrict South Africa to under 320 or something? I remember tweeting along those lines. But then what transpired was completely the opposite, where Henrik Lassen as always went went bang, bang, bang. My surprise was how Marco Jansen batted. He batted really well. He showed the class. The, most of his shots were all test match shots. They were not slogs. They were not T20 slogs. He was hitting through the line, over covers, straight off a straight bat and so on. But they were all very, very effective hits. He's a long, long, strong guy. Big, strong guy, I must say. And very lean, but I think he has incredible core strength. And he kept hitting the ball very far. And then, of course, Klaassen, we know he's a proven quantity already. Already he's performed in this World Cup. And then... They just took the game completely away from England, I thought, in the last seven hours. Because in the last seven hours, they took 98 runs or something, if I'm not wrong. England completely fell apart there. So, that's the first half of the innings. Uh, Would Sandeep or someone else uh, want to give a description of how the second half went? Maybe they
0: are too traumatized, you know, being... Uh. uh... (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Well, I could, but I mean, I, I will... I'll
3: add my own points for the first half. I think uh, I think I owe an apology to Janssen, actually, because I was of the opinion that he was too
0: high a number seven uh, batter. until Not just you, but there are until, a few other prominent names as well yes. who have basically said that oh, he shouldn't be at number seven. Yes, until you pointed out, SP, yesterday that he has an average of
3: 35 in ODIs. Uh, which made me think really that he we we probably underestimated him uh, in the ODI context at least yeah. uh, because I think it's a, probably as me confusing uh, with the different formats of the game really because he comes at number seven in Test matches as well where I still think it's a bit high uh, mm-hmm. given given that South Africa's uh, batting in the Test squad is quite fragile as compared to the ODI uh, but in this squad i think uh, he's the perfect number 7 uh, yeah, b- see, i think
0: uh, just to clarify on that you know when yeah. we talk about somebody's suitability for a particular batting position you know we often do that in comparison with a player who's seen as a gold standard for that position right yeah. now not every team is going to be blessed with somebody who's the absolute best for that position or they may have one but they have to sort of juggle with the balance of the team in order to make it as effective a unit as they can be. And I think that is probably where South Africa decide that, okay, Marco's going to play at number seven because we need like other three, four bowlers down there and we need so-and-so and such other positions up the order. Now, if that balance works for them and if he's performing according to expectations for that role at that position... I don't think we should be the people, you know, criticizing him and saying that he's not suited for that particular position.
3: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think if the top order is doing as well as they're doing, I think he's the ideal number seven. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying he's the perfect because as we saw in the match against Netherlands when the top order failed, uh, it was, uh, uh, it didn't turn out very well for them, but uh, but 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 I mean that, that, that it's what it is, and I think he's the best uh, uh, for the balance of the side, as you said. Yeah, coming to England, <laughs> well, I mean it was uh, appalling chase, really. I mean uh, I don't I think they had uh, lost their mind after the last uh, eight overs of South Africa's first innings, and uh, I mean it was a huge target to chase. I mean there was no way they were going to um, uh, get there. I think they uh, they Um, their batters like uh, Barstow and uh, Butler they are not got going in this World Cup so far and then uh, it's mainly Malin and Root who have been getting the runs and they are anchors and they are not going to up the run rate uh, to to the extent that they needed for this match Ben Stokes playing in this match was (laughs) I, I think it was a a uh, desperate attempt for them to fix uh the, the problems in the middle order uh how fit was ben stokes to play in this match is anybody's guess but uh, uh i i thought i think england thought that they might uh that he might come in handy uh, uh this time around uh and it didn't work i mean it was a tame catch uh that he offered to Rabada. Uh, Also, we should uh, appreciate how well South Africa bowled at the start, really. I mean, uh, the way they got rid of uh, Bayer and uh, uh, Root, it was all well-planned and executed uh, by by the bowlers, and uh, with the the right-fielding setups, uh, the Joe Joe Root going for the leg leg glance and uh, getting caught uh, in the leg slip. And uh, Bayer getting that uh, uh, ball Coming in and flicking, and uh, going straight to uh, uh, to the field and the boundary line. So these are things that uh, South Africa planned very well, um, uh, but uh, I mean England were woeful. I think uh, it's it's not just that everything is collapsing for England. I mean, their bowling is appalling. Let's put it that way. Uh, apart from Reece Topley, to an extent, I don't think or pro- uh, probably Adil Rashid to an extent, uh, the rest have been pedestrian. Uh, there is nothing in them. Uh, there, there is nothing. There is no bite, and there, there, there is. Uh, and they're just there to be back wh- to all parts of the ground, basically. Uh, and this is something that you discussed as well with, you um, know, uh, on your uh, episode, preview episode with James and Damian. Uh, mm. like Eng- England's bowling probably would suffer in these conditions uh, mm. uh, because they don't have the right bowlers. I mean, uh, Chris walks uh, Mark would. All these people are not good for India conditions.
0: I don't think so. no, because um, my my theory is that you know they require a little bit of zip of the pitch, which you don't get on subcontinental pitches. and the length that they bowl. so Chris walks is a little bit too full, and Mark Wood's length, whether he goes full or whether he bowls a little bit short, unless he's bowling bouncers. You know, it's not as menacing as it is, uh, say, in England or maybe even in Australia and South Africa. Now, Jofra Archer would have made a difference given his height and the way he's able to extract that bounce at pace and the control. Because, you know, Mark Wood can bowl at pace, but he often doesn't give you the control that you need from a fast bowler. And somebody bowling at that speed, you know, the margin of error is so little that... If the batsman figures you out, you know, you just keep going for runs. And we saw this with Pat Cummins in last year's IPL as well. The faster he bowled, the faster that ball disappeared. And you you look at most express bowlers in this tournament as well, they they haven't really managed to get that same degree of success that you would want off that. Plus, Adil Rashid now is four years older than what he was when England won the World Cup. Plus, Adil Rashid had a supporting... uh, Team of bowlers around him, and it was in English conditions, which makes it really different. The pressure on him then is not as much to perform, to contain, and to get wickets uh, as it is over here in India. You know, I am still a bit surprised that England haven't had a second proper spinner in their playing leaven, and they're relying on Joe Root to fulfill some of those overs, which then basically puts the onus on the other bowlers to perform their roles properly. And as we have seen, they haven't really had much success. And now Rhys Topley has injured his finger, so he's not going to play for the rest of the tournament. Um, Matthew Mott, in yesterday's press conference, I think, so I was just reading this on BBC this morning, uh, Matthew Mott has said that Jofra Archer has been ruled out of the tournament entirely. He's just not fit enough because there were some hopes that perhaps he may be fit for the second half, but that's not going to be the case. Ben Stokes is playing with a dodgy knee. So he's not going to bowl ten overs every single game at the risk of perhaps, you know, ruining his chances to play for the remainder of the tournament. Either Sam Curran's form has been uh, quite indifferent in a way, and yeah, okay, maybe last year's IPL he did it really well for Chennai, but since then he hasn't really had that many performances off note. He still remains a very handy, nuggety sort of batsman who who will give you a good contribution lower down the order. But, uh, you know, it's not enough because you need the top order to perform. And I think of getting out very early in two of the games, or maybe even three of the games so far, has actually dented uh, England's approach. Now, Root and Milan can only stabilize the innings to a certain extent. You can see the difference that, what's his name, Owen Morgan provided in last year's tournament, especially at the uh, number five, they they are missing that sort of contribution this time round. You've got Livingston who can hit big shots, but Livingston's not as good as adapting to the situation as Owen Morgan was. Um, it's just my feeling. And I think the addition of Stokes or recalling Stokes out of retirement has definitely messed up with the balance of this England team. And it's becoming increasingly difficult for them to sort of get back to their winning ways. Plus, I think that England's very rigid when it comes to their approach, hit out or get out. That that seems to be the mantra. And how often have we seen them lose all 10 wickets before the full quota of overs has been bowled? So no matter what the situation is, to me, it feels as if the team's philosophy is that no matter what, we'll just keep attacking. Now, you can still attack, you know, but in a judicious manner as well. And I don't think they're doing that as well as perhaps, say, you know, South Africa is or maybe even India is, or some of the other things. New Zealand, for example, you know. So, yeah, that's just my thought on it. And yesterday's was an abject performance. Like the one against Afghanistan, I didn't expect England to lose, but then once Afghanistan scored 270, 280, I thought, oh, this could get a really tricky chase for England. And they just kept losing wickets at regular intervals. It wasn't as if England collapsed. They just lost wickets regularly. And th- at the end of the day, the margin of victory was almost 70 runs, which is huge in a one-day game. Yeah, this <laughs> loss yesterday would have completely demoralized them. And uh, what's England's next assignment? So England next play Sri Lanka which, again, I'm not very confident now that they are the strong favorites to win, given how well Sri Lanka have salvaged some of their games. And then they're playing India, which is going to be a really tough man for them. Then they play Australia, and Australia are not going to make it easy. The last game, obviously, is Pakistan, but before that, they play Netherlands. And if Netherlands bat first and Netherlands scored anywhere around 250 to 270, That could be a really tricky game for England. Ajit, your thoughts on Netherlands' chances.
2: Well, uh, before I go there, I just want to finish off on England. I mean, the way you summarised it, you've more or less indicated very clearly, right? So, England have worked themselves to a very, very tough position and they seem to have very nearly sort of uh, kicked themselves out of the tournament. It will require something Herculean from here for England to be able to qualify. And... uh, It remains to be seen. They did that earlier this year in the Ashes where they were able to come back from a 2-0 down. But we'll we'll see if they have the same sort of a mindset, makeup and more importantly, playing in alien conditions, that sort of skills that they're able to bring and win, right? So that's one point. Coming to the Netherlands, look, um, Netherlands also have a tough, tough journey ahead because first they'll play Australia, right? After this. Um, Once they play Australia, then it'll be bangladesh which will be for me one of the games i'm really looking forward to from a netherlands perspective and then afghanistan so i had said before the tournament began i would really really be happy if netherlands can go home with at least two wins and having secured a surprise victory earlier in the tournament against south africa they are they are in a position where they can actually take home two victories if not three if they you know play to their full potential so Before we go there, maybe I can quickly summarize the game from yesterday. Would that make sense? Or at least the first half? Definitely, go for it. Yeah, batting first. Netherlands were in a bit of trouble. They could not get going at all. So, interestingly, all the damage was done by the faster bowlers, Rajita and Madhushanka. And they bowled really well up front. I thought, potentially, Ackerman and Bastalida gave their wickets away in some silly shots. But the rest of them were worked out. They were... They were not giving their wickets away, but that was very good bowling from Sri Lanka. And up until, you know, 91 for six, you thought, especially with Scott Edwards gone, you thought, this is a chance Netherlands may collapse to 150, 140, whatever, right? That that was on the cards. Then comes this very, very special partnership at a very good strike rate eventually, where first uh, Saibrand, Engelbrecht, and Logan van Beek, they built up slowly. They were both going at, you know, 50, 60 strike rate. Into their twenties, and then they slowly started making the runs. And then, Sri Lanka, I think, frankly, took the, took the, let's say the uh, pedal. They took the foot of the pedal there. Right? They could have had Netherlands 170 all out if they had been a bit more, you know, serious and a bit more. I thought the way they, they didn't drop any chances. But then somehow the intensity in the field dropped for me. So these two took advantage of that. They took Netherlands all the way to 221. So. I had said 200 would be a great score at 6 for 91. They easily topped that, just these two. And with, you know, 45 overs gone and two hitters to come in the form of Roloff van der and uh, Aryan Dath, you even dreamed of 260, I said. And they were able to even top that. So I was, from 91 for 6, I was really, really happy. Netherlands were even able to get to 262. Uh, a lot of credit to also Logan Van Beek, who, did, uh, who got his first 50. Same for and Engelbrecht, but... Saebrand Engelbrecht, Engelbrecht has been a batter all his life. He had retired. He came back. That's another story. But that's a fantastic story. But he he's here and he showed he belongs at the top level. Logan Funbeck is an all-rounder who opens the bowling. So for him to also stand up, make those runs. Now they suddenly have a serious score on the you know board. And then from there, anything can happen. And I thought... When they got Kusal Pereira early and Kusal Mendis, the two Kusals, I think 40, I think two for 52, even. Yeah. So they had a very good chance there, guys. So who would like to take over the second half?
0: I, I didn't actually watch that game live, but you know, at that point, I did think that Netherlands definitely had a good grip. I, I won't say that they were in the driving seat or they were firm <laughs> favorites to win that game, but I thought they actually had a good grip on the game. And then You know, it was just a matter of perhaps one, maybe two wickets, and then definitely, you know, Sri Lanka had an uphill uh, task on their hands. But then the way Nisanka and the rest of the lot batted and how sedately Samara Vikrama sort of stayed at the crease, not only maintaining that wicket at one end. So it was like he dropped anchor, but even though he played that anchor role, he actually batted pretty quickly. I mean, you know, his strike rate, I think, was around 80 to 90 at one stage. And then when Nisanka got out at 104 for three, even at that point, I thought, okay, this is like good. You know, the Netherlands can still make do with this. But then Samaravikram and I think Asalanka just stole that game away from Netherlands. They just did not give them any opportunities. Now, because I wasn't watching the game, I don't know whether the Netherlands bowlers uh, sort of were not good enough in stringing dot balls together, or whether there was this regular short ball or a loose delivery every single over that allowed the Sri Lankan batsmen to sort of score those boundaries. Because, you know, the run rate was consistently around 5.5, 5.7. And the okay. asking run rate
2: did never really trouble the batters at the crease. Look, um, it was a combination of both. I was following it, more or less. So, first of all, it was the it was the experience that Sri Lanka brought and the belief that they had, right? So, mm. actually, this batting unit had just one day off. I mean, they had been making 300 plus scores twice. I mean, even in losses, but they were doing well, right? So, they had this belief going for them. So, Sadhira Samaravikrama was due. So, was Charita Salanka in theory and in... So, they had to do it, and they knew they would not let this opportunity go. They capitalized well. So, Paul Van Mekeren and um, uh, Bas De Leda at the initial part of their spell, were put under pressure. So, even though they lost a couple of wickets at the start, they lost them to, uh, first of all, Paul, Paul Van Mekeren got uh, Nisanka, and that was an important wicket there. But then, you knew Sadira Samaravikrama and Charith Asalankar will stand there, and only that was the most penetrative of the bowlers. I think that has been having the tournament of his life for a 20 year old. He's, he's doing wonderfully well, and he showed that again. He came back and took another wicket, right? But you saw at least Bastilida was not effective, rule of Mandavarma was played out, and suddenly Dutch did not have any answers. So Sri Lanka had to just keep up with the run rate, and all they had to do was dink around singles here and there. And Samara Vikrama, Charita Sri Lanka they have the class, and they knew they had the Nanjadisilwa to. Uh, you know, come back after that, and maybe even Chamika to an extent, who would, who can go after the bowling if required, right? So they played without any pressure, but this was just competitive classic batting from Sri Lanka, who knew what they were doing right through. Mm, mm,
0: mm. And, and I think if uh, if the target was like if if the Netherlands top order had contributed at least thirty more runs between themselves, then you know probably may have become an even more interesting game. I mean. I was really impressed at the way the Netherlands lower order had rallied around to post yet another competitive total, two games in succession. Because they were, right. what, 90 for six? 91 for six? Something yeah, like 91 that? for six. Yeah. yeah, when Scott Edwards got out. And to get to 262 from there, you know, is, is no mean achievement.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think Sri Lanka so far have been quite disappointing, isn't it? Uh, so it was... Uh, they needed to win this match. They were quite desperate to get that one win on board, and uh, uh, I think two sixty-two was never going to be a big target to chase. It's the ideal sort of target that Sri Lanka would like to chase, and they were not taking any chances. They reached the target duly. I mean, they didn't do anything silly, to be honest. And uh, uh, so, so yeah, it was a good, uh, it was a measured win for Sri Lanka uh but i mean their problems still remain i don't think the, they will make much of an impression for the rest of the tournament with all the injuries that they have as well um it's going to be very hard for them when they come against much uh, fancy teams uh so uh, it's a good it was a good win they got that one win on board but um uh, i mean it, it is it is still going to be a struggle uh, as far as netherlands is concerned yes uh, it was I mean, each match, each match should be taken as a learning curve for Netherlands in this World Cup. I mean, they had that one fantastic win against uh, South Africa, and people will suddenly start expecting, oh, they are going to do great, but it doesn't work that way. Um, uh, so uh, it it was uh, quite natural that they had this uh, uh, downfall against Sri Lanka. But as you said, sir, S. P. The way they came back from being 91 for 6. It was just in the 22nd over, really. uh, And they almost lasted the full quota of 50 overs. So that in itself is a sort of um, uh, an improvement, isn't it? I mean, not getting bowled out very quickly in about 30 or 35 overs as uh, Afghanistan did against uh, Bangladesh in the first match uh, when they kept losing because they just lost their mind and uh, uh, got bowled out much, much, much earlier. So that that in itself is an improvement. And... um, uh, yeah, I think that it, it, probably a bit uh, another twenty-five or thirty runs might have helped the cause, but uh, even getting to 262 was a uh, great effort. Uh, I'm very impressed with um, Ari and That I don't know what to make of it, Ajit. I mean, he has been uh, a revelation in this World Cup for me as far as uh, uh, bowling at the in the power play is concerned. Uh, a bit like uh, Deepak Patel from the. 1990s but i mean he has been so impressive uh, uh with this control and uh, uh every, everything i mean I, I don't know what if you have Indeed. anything to say about that
2: yeah look look, he's a homegrown talent he's he's a product of the dutch cricketing system wherein he grew up here he played age uh, group cricket here between him and Vikram, i i see them as the beacon of hope and sharis Ahmad, right all of these people they are they are all very young they are like 19 20 they are all just out of a 19 under 19 world cup so to say and they have they are purely product of the system here where the system can produce cricketers like that when it comes to aryan that specifically i think he's improved vastly in the last three seasons i think every season in the winter he goes back to india and uh, he trains in chandigarh is what i've read and he trains uh, with the probables of ranji team in punjab and he tries to improve on his bowling and you can see how good It has come where he's not only penetrative, but he's he's able to restrict. He's actually a genuine threat with the new ball. And that's wonderful to see. I mean, he has the conditions, so to say, to make it easy for him. But to be able to take the new ball at such a young age against, you know, these days batsmen, they don't, they hit uh, success effortlessly. They don't even blink. So under such conditions to be able to take the new ball, bowl with that sort of confidence and keep you know, big hitters under check. People like Kusal Pereira, people even earlier in the tournament, right? So, De De Kock, that's fantastic, actually. For me, as I said, he's probably having the tournament of his life. It's it's a big revelation. I mean, we just saw another uh, string to his bow that he can hit really long and hard. And he, in age group cricket, he actually batted very high. In, in under-19 teams, I've seen him bat 4-5, even occasionally open the batting. So, it's not that that batting is lost on him. I think he needs to spend a bit more time. So, for me, He's really, between him, Vikram, Shariz, they are some, sort of the coming cricketers for Netherlands, sort of the next generation, people who lead the next generation of Netherlands cricketers internationally.
0: Now, speaking of which, what has been the reception in Netherlands following their victory over South Africa in this World Cup?
2: So, I saw that there were actually headlines in one or two of the national uh, leading national dailies. Absolutely and, wonderful, because I know last time they beat
0: South Africa in the t twenty one you mentioned that it made the front page
2: of some newspapers so then it was sort of a surprise so first of all, we went one step back where they were able to actually um you know they were able to actually cover the some of the players leading up to the tournament just on the week when the tournament started, they gave the perspective of how the tournament is going to be for a few players. And when South Africa were beaten, it was a big deal here. So one thing I see is the board also stepping up, frankly. I must congratulate them that I've seen a couple of board functionaries. I've seen the um, treasurer. I've seen the regional development officers. I've seen a couple of those people. I think they are traveling with the team. They're also making their presence felt there in the background, right, between, you know, the boards and so on. So they are sort of stepping up. They're sort of stepping up the offensive also to probably arrange a few tours. We're going to hear about it in the coming days. So I see that it's now sort of taking real shape where there were big articles written in both Dutch and English language dailies here. And um, there's this palpable excitement building in at least the cricketing community and in the sporting community in general that, look, Netherlands is actually able to go to India to achieve these big wins. Because mm, I think the... No I think just the fact that they qualified for this
0: was or should have been huge news. Mm. After beating the likes of West Indies, Zimbabwe and Ireland and Scotland en route to the main draw of the tournament and then basically beating a big team like South Africa. Now it wouldn't surprise me if they managed to strangle England along the way as well. Huh, that would be great. That'll be That might be a bridge too far to start off, as I said. You never know. You never know. I think the team is not lacking in self-belief, whereas England, I think there is a little bit of, uh, I I don't know whether you'd call it fatigue or disappointment or something, but their body language isn't as good as what it would have been uh, before the tournament
2: or even for the 2019 World Cup. Look, I wouldn't write England off. Let me put it like this. Uh, there is a chance that this England team will dig deep. The way they came back in Ashes, you can expect that they'll start winning games. I don't know if that means they'll actually be able to qualify or go to the next step, but I would not write this England team off yet. And I think Netherlands will one of will be one of the teams they'll be targeting for a big win,
0: frankly. Mm. I mean, having said that, there's only so many moral victories you can have before you want to actually win something <laughs> on paper. Right. So, that was that. Anyway, Um um, i we not let Hamsa talk for a while. I, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. No, so,
1: no um, that's all right. I, I was just going to say one thing about uh, when Austri- England and Austri- um, South Africa game was being discussed that uh, I think I read somewhere that uh, uh, the coach was mentioning about not um, taking weather into account or something. And I was like, you can't say that because you've been in India for like quite a while now. And uh, even in the game, it was like... Uh, uh, they just, you know, kept, kept and went to the toss and said, uh, uh, you know, we're going to chase. And when asked why, and he said, no particular reason. <laughs> and then, then again, yesterday, I think knowing that South Africa sc- scored 400 against Sri Lanka. And then I think even against Australia, they were going for like 350. I would have uh, tried to bat first. Uh, and especially in that heat, when, when you know that you'd struggle, so that was another thing that I when then I think um, he agreed later. Uh, I think in press conference after the match, uh, Butler said that perhaps it would have been a reasonable thing to do. So yeah, I think there's there's quite a lot of things that are wrong with England at the moment. But I think going back to to like a couple of months ago, before even the World Cup started, that England bowling lineup didn't really, you know. Uh, I wasn't fancying that bowling lineup in England. In India, sorry. They were playing in uh, England against New Zealand, they won three one. But you could see that, you know, these you know, medium paces are going to struggle in Ingl- India when it's not going to be seam on offer. And obviously Adil Rashid is, is a very good leg like, break baller. He's he's doing still reasonably well. But then he he'd also you know, if you look at the middle overs, he didn't have anyone to support him as well. So they were going to struggle Especially, especially when you're allowing others to, you know, uh, bat you out of the game. So that's, you You can't just do that. Even, I, I, I think, yeah, and then obviously they've, they've had injuries as well. So that's that's not helped their cause. But there was another thing that I wanted to mention about the Pakistan-Australia game. And uh, it was rightly pointed out that Pakistan balled, balled uh, really well at the death. I think they, they conceded only 67 runs and took like six, six, six or seven wickets or something. The thing thing with that wicket was that, so yeah, ball was coming to bat really well, but then there were few balls which were sticking in the pitch. So it wasn't going to be easy for the next, you know, new bat- batter to start hitting from the first ball. And that's what, you know, helped Pakistan. Obviously, the balls, a lot of s- slow balls as well, strangled them. And then again, if you look at the Pakistan innings, it wasn't easy for the, you know, new batter to s- hit straight away. And then Australia, st- you know, struck to their plans very well. And, you know, I think the, the way Zampa ball was really, I, I was really impressed by by him and, and the field placements were really good. So he stuck to one line. And and if you look at Rizwan's innings, they didn't give him anything in his arc, apart from, I think, one or two uh, balls that were given to him by Stoinis, I think. So so th- that was really, that was one thing that, that struck me. So from, from what what I've made so far from the World Cup is that, you know, People, and and then that has been the thing with me as well. That people are going into the matches with a pre-sort of set mind mindset that you know this because last match this game had like four hundred runs in first inning This is going to be playing in, in the same you know wicket is going to play in the same manner. But pitches are different. And then when I read it, read into it, I would I, I, I uh, you know it came to my notice that apparently there are two or three types of pitches in India, even in even at the same ground, there can be two different pitches. One is, I think, red. I'm, 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 I'd be grateful if you guys can uh, enlighten me about it. That they are like, they've got, uh, I think, red Red and clay, black soil. Red and black soil. And they play differently. And some of the uh, wickets have been relayed. And then see it's, it's early days yeah. into the competition, so you'll see some high-scoring games. I think on the red red uh, clay bit, and but as, as the right. tournament proceeds, as 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 pitches go, you know, pitches will become slow, and you won't be seeing as many 300 games. I think that this is something I'm sure teams are going to be uh, you know looking into it as well. But but you can't. The one thing that I've noticed so far is that even so, for, before everyone was saying, oh, we're going to play Afghanistan and Chennai, and it's going to spin it's going to spin but then you know this is what I'm trying to say that you can't just be going with the preset mindset you have to go there and see how it feels like and then change your game plan accordingly you know for example if you start batting first in a Af- one against Pakistan or any team and then you think that you know it's a spinning wicket and uh, they've got very good spinners but our target should be uh, at least 280 because it's going to be due but has there been any due? I think due comes after 8 pm and 30 40 overs are 30 overs are at least bowled by or the second or, or have already been bowled by them. So you have to take all these things into account and then and, and see which obviously picket is it. Is it red soil, the other soil? And, and then not go with the uh, you know, preset my plan or target in mind because because that's where I've we've seen Pakistan struggle, but I, that's where I think England have struggled as well.
0: So uh, yeah this is this is a common theme with England that you know when they have this elaborate setup around them they stick very rigidly to these plans and there's very little room for flexibility or adaptation either on the field during the course of the game or even just off it and you know that example that you gave is pretty valid that they knew what the conditions were like. They knew how hot it was going to be. Their bowlers would probably be tired by the time the innings break comes along. But because their stats, their data, their analyst, whoever the is there in the think tank knows that England are a better side chasing, they decided to bowl first even after winning the toss. And you know that most people are not likely to do that unless you know for a fact that dew is going to be a very big factor. But given how high the temperatures have been in India recently, even in the month of October, that dew hasn't set in as much as it had been anticipated. And I think this is what's throwing their projections completely off.
1: And, and recent form has to have a say as well. So, basically, England is a very good chasing team. But, but there were the stats that was being shown yesterday. They've only won 33% games chasing in last year. So, that that's another thing.
0: Yeah, but so one, you, you only focus on the games that you actually win while chasing. The ones that you lose, yeah. you know, they are invalidated because, hey, we don't know what happened in this match. Uh, you know, we won these other games while chasing so it's very easy to invalidate these games and to forget the ones that you haven't actually won because it's it's a quirk of human memory that you generally tend to remember things that you like that are important that are very recent so you know this falls
2: into one of those categories well um if i can put a couple more words into that uh, pitch color soil color thing yeah. so i think it's it's mostly a it's sort of Western and Middle and Northern part of India debate where the red soil is more loamy, so it holds better. So it will not crumble that easily, Well, the black soil can crumble easier. That means it can take turn uh, and so on and crumble during the day. But there are traditional pitches like Chennai and Bangalore who play traditionally to their strength. So Chennai will always sort of stay low and slow. We've seen this through different campaigns of CSK over the years, right? And Bangalore is a high-scoring ground. One, the size of the ground and the nature of the pitch. both have. So, for me, sometimes this is overplayed. I mean, as the host country or the hype surrounding the host country, they'll want to reveal all this, sort of, make it a thing of opposition may take into account. But let's not forget that the coaches, the players themselves, have been to India many times. They've played in IPL. They've played in different tournaments and even, you know, bilateral tours, right? So, for any team coming here, you know there's a bit of hype. There's a bit of... Um, reality to what's going on. But at the end of the day, most important decisions are made a previous night before the game or the morning of the game. where you look at the pitch, you get a proper assessment. So for me, if you step aside of all of these talk before the game and before the tournament, you are a professional outfit. You're going to look at the pitch. You're going to make a decision based on what is your best 11 and whether you'll bat or field uh, if you win the toss. That's about it, right? And that's how it should be and i think anybody reading with it england or any other team reading too much into it i think they're just selling themselves short they're just wasting their time or probably you know going into things they needn't have to this is my thought process right this is one thing the other thing um look when it comes to england or even afghanistan so in any on any turning track teams like sri lanka afghanistan will be handful they have good spinners right their strength is that sometimes so when you are playing a team like that you you it's it's not um, it's not unnatural to be wary, let me put it like this. But then you have to believe if you are England, if you're Australia, you have to believe your strength is also your batting, not just your bowling, not just that you can chase well. You can chase well means you have a strong batting lineup. You believe in that, right? So that's the way to go about it, I would say. I mean, anything more than that, it's just the vagaries of the pitch. The pitch can behave one way, uh, then you expect, then it probably behaves another. And those are things you may or may not be able to control, but you still put your best foot forward, right? Yeah, very true, very true. Now, before,
0: like, moving on to the upcoming game, so India and New Zealand are playing today uh, at Dharamsala, and we'll come to that in a minute, but Pakistan are playing Afghanistan tomorrow, which is a very crucial game for Pakistan to basically still be in the hunt for that semi-final spot, and it's an equally crucial game for Afghanistan to sort of cement their credentials as... One of the top 10 teams in ODI cricket because, for all of the success that they've had, they have often turned away from tournaments with a very disappointing results. Like, they didn't win a single game at last year's T20 game World Cup, they didn't win anything in the 2019 ODI World Cup as well. This time around, yes, they have had a victory against uh, England, but they lost to um, India quite uh, badly and even their uh, first game like it was uh, not a very good show from them uh, versus bangladesh i mean they were what 156 all out and then bangladesh chased it with relative ease so they they probably might want to prove a point as well that yes we definitely belong to this stage hamza any thoughts or predictions yeah. for tomorrow
1: i think thing with is uh, that but chasing is not uh, you know strength so yeah. they would like to put score on the board, and I, I, am pretty certain if somehow they bat first and they score like 270 or to somehow even anything above 250, I think that is going to be really challenging for Pakistan or or any anyone playing in in a, in any on any pitch which provides little bit of assistance to spinners and you know balls tend when ball tends to low stay low. And that, and that is going to be the key. I'm going to be really interested in what uh, what they do if they win the toss and what Pakistan does if they win the toss. They won't. I'm, I'm sure they would want to because this is going to be a tricky thing. Pe- uh, teams have been wanting to bat second. But tomorrow, I'm sure if Pakistan wins the toss, they'll try to bat first because, they, are, um, they uh, you know, Pakistan's are not, batting is not known for its, you know, chasing ability. But it'll be really interesting. I think they've got a real chance. Uh, there are a couple of players in Pakistan who play spin well. Uh, well I think uh, Rizwan plays it reasonably well. Uh, Babar and Saud played you know, spin really well. But but it all, it all depends upon match situation. If they're being you know made to chase like 280 on a spinning track, it'll be really hard. So so it's high. I, you know the way I see it, with Pakistan being low in confidence. I think it'll be like 55, 55, 45 sort of thing to Pakistan for now. But, I, I, you know, and especially where they are playing as well. Had they been playing in like Bangalore or where where it was not spending as much, I would perhaps say 70, 30 or something. But yeah, I'm, I'm really worried about tomorrow, to be honest. And obviously, if we lose tomorrow, then it's more or less
0: you mm. know, done for us. Yeah, then I think they should start packing their bags. Cause, uh, yeah, yeah,
1: and other games. yeah, no, no. But, but hopefully, hopefully, they'll. My, ideally they should win. Ideally they should, you know, they're playing, uh, I think, uh, South Africa later in the week, again on the same venue. And I think they can, you know, that is going to be a very good match as well. If Pakistan manages to win these two games, then then you'd be talking about Pakistan and Australia as the fourth team. I think England are done for the day. Unless, obviously, a, a miracle can save them. It's not just that, you know they can't make a comeback. It's that it's the team, uh, you know, combination. They've they've lost arguably their best bowler now, so he won't be able to play anymore. Uh, yeah. So and the bowling is looking really weak. So I think it's it's a fourth team race is going to be between Australia and Pakistan, and next two games of Pakistan are going to, you know, uh, define what what's going to you know happen, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well said. Well said. Well, thank thanks for that input. And coming to today's game, India, New Zealand. Um, Sandeep, your thoughts on that?
3: Uh, shall I briefly touch on Afghanistan as well? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I mean that their, their their campaign has been very inconsistent so far. So. Uh, they had that one one win against england but the rest of it has been pretty ordinary stuff from them um rashid khan uh is slowly coming into the uh, tournament now i mean he had that great match against england uh he he was doing well against new zealand as well it was some atrocious catching from uh, afghanistan fielders that um that that, that uh, uh, let them down actually uh, they dropped both uh, Latham and uh, Glenn Phillips uh, when they're not scored much. So I think that that probably uh, might have made some difference. But yeah, but I mean, Afghanistan is slowly coming in. Uh, so uh, I, I mean, uh, Pakistan, sure, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure Pakistan will not take them lightly. They know what Afghanistan are capable of. But uh, they shouldn't
0: because Afghanistan recently beat them as well.
3: They did, yes. So yeah i think pakistan know what they are um, what they're going to face so but i expect uh, pakistan i mean they are a better balanced side uh, uh, going into this match so i think they should be able to uh, 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 win the win, win the match um, uh, but uh, you never know what's going to happen yeah. uh, with pakistan sometimes
0: so that, that's that's where we are yeah. so would you say um, it would it be fair to say that afghanistan are the new pakistan
3: uh, yeah
0: probably <laughs>
3: not not They still, still have a long no. way to go i mean pakistan <laughs> if i may step in <clears throat> i
2: yeah, want sure. to speak positively i think we are underestimating this pakistan team's resolve yet so i think they're going to put their best foot forward going f- uh, from here and i think they're going to beat afghanistan not only comfortably but with a big margin my prediction is 120 runs or by eight wickets or seven wow weeks. that is bold that yes. is bold i think we are okay. all interested what pakistan is capable of <laughs> <laughs> no
1: no I I, I, I I think they have the potential that 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 and that is the most uh, you know dejecting thing for me that they have the potential you've seen it that, that they've done it before but it's just <laughs> that you know there are minor things minor readjustments that you have to do why is you playing against Australia? There were some captaincy decisions. I don't know. I, I, so so and, and and there's another thing that it seems that you know body language is an important thing. So that that that, that is something that I've been missing. I, I hope the different Pakistan turns up tomorrow. And you know, you never know with Pakistan. Champions Trophy 2017. 2017. Even in 2019, when Pakistan was doing a very you know, making a very good comeback. Actually, I was watching matches here. Um, and uh, I I watched that Pakistan-New Zealand match as well and we had to win it and Baba scored essentially in that match. It was just hard luck that they missed on the net run rate bit. But yeah, so yeah, I think they were down and out. They they lost three matches in first four matches. Yeah, so whatever it is, tomorrow's game is definitely like to be in. And New Zealand Zealand started the same in a similar fashion. I think they won their first five games and then India game couldn't, uh, got washed out and then they lost their last three games. And New Zealand has yet to play any, you know, stronger teams apart from um, England. They've not played anyone, I think, yet. So they are going to play Pakistan, South Africa, India today, and then Australia. So I think, yeah, some th- interesting things are going to happen.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, what what's yeah. this space, isn't it? Today's game is crucial for New Zealand and India, and tomorrow's definitely crucial for Pakistan. Not just Pakistan, but tomorrow's game is also crucial to for the fates of Australia and England as well. Indeed, yeah. Okay, so thoughts on today's game, because it uh, looks like India has made a couple of changes. Shami comes in for Shardul, and Sky comes in for Pandya. India have won the toss, and they have elected to bowl. Okay. I think, uh, sorry,
3: do you want to go? Yeah, go on, go on, sorry. Uh, no, I, I just wanted to say that Pandya, uh, Pandya's absence is going to affect the balance a bit, uh, quite a bit, actually. Uh, because he he would get through some overs and uh, also quite handy with the bat. If, if if we haven't needed him much with the bat so far, uh, but uh, he there will come a point when we when we would need him. Um, but I mean, I I, I think they have uh, 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 chosen the correct team for this match probably. Uh, 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 it it might mean that we have a bit of a longer tail now uh, with Kuldeep, uh, Shami, Siraj, and Bumrah uh, working from 8 to 11, Uh, but uh, the way our, I mean, I I owe an apology to our seniors as well, because they have been good this time around, Uh, they have, uh, uh, I've been quite critical of them in the past, I add credit where it is due, they have got the runs, uh, but they have been a bit lucky as well, I must say, because they have not been required to chase uh huge targets so far. It's only been uh, 200, 250 targets that they have been required to chase uh, they have not yeah. been they have not set a target as well so far it's all chasing that they've done so far so uh it uh,
0: it a- absolutely on- right, and I think that yeah. is where my biggest worry is that if India are asked to chase a target of three twenty plus you know, then we need to see how good that batting lineup is. And likewise, when we are batting first yeah. against stronger opponents like South Africa or uh, uh, New Zealand or, you know, like Pakistan and Australia were disappointing because they batted first and it was a very subpar total that we had to chase. But if we are batting first against the likes of New Zealand or South Africa, you know, maybe even a reasonably good Sri Lankan bowling attack, you know, will be a good test.
2: Yeah. Yes, so right. I agree here. I think this is done in a view of when they took uh, probably Sky they already had in their mind, they want to chase if possible. They sort yeah. of packed their batting order. Um, when you look at it, I'm going to say they need one good game where they're actually in a tight situation and they have to chase 320, 330, right? So they have done it with the ball, but then they want to also do it with the bat and you know sort of get themselves ready into the business half of the tournament if you're an Indian team.
3: Yeah. I mean, a bit on New Zealand as well. I mean, they have been good. Uh, but uh, at the same time, they have not played any, uh, I mean, uh, any good teams. Of I mean, they played England, but that was uh, once, I mean, England are having their own problems. Uh, but the rest of the matches have been against Bangladesh, uh, Netherlands and uh, Afghanistan. I uh, have no disrespect to any of those teams, but... Uh, uh, but, but New Zealand were ex- expect, uh, expected to win those matches and they did exactly that. So uh, I think this is probably going to be their uh, uh, first test for them as well, uh, especially, I mean, Santner has been absolutely brilliant with uh, with his bowling and so have uh, Matt Henry and uh, 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 Trent Volt and uh, uh, Lockie Ferguson uh, all have been bowling very well. So... Uh, but how will they fare against the Indian batters is something I mean especially against Roy Sharma who has been playing so well I haven't never seen Roy Sharma uh, playing as well as he is for a long time now uh, at the, with this with the strike rate as well he is going uh, from uh, from the uh, from the world goal So that would be interesting to see how New Zealand borders fare against the Indian, Uh, Top order, which is in good form at the moment.
0: Yeah, wasn't Rohit Sharma the leading run scorer in the 2019 edition? He was. Yeah, but uh, since then he has not done much, isn't it? I mean, especially in the shorter formats. Yeah. Yeah, but that's Rohit isn't it? Yeah, true. (laughs) That's Rohit. Yeah. And he is, you know, like you said, he's such a brilliant player and he bats so well. The irony is he actually bats better when conditions are tougher. Like nobody else comes even close to how good this guy's timing and uh, short selection is. He just makes everybody else look pedestrian.
3: Yeah. In that match against Afghanistan, it was, uh, I mean, it was not an easy pitch really, but the way he made it, A look. (laughs) It was amazing. The
2: grace with which he can bat, the ease. He puts the dressing room sort of immediately at ease, I suppose, when he gets going.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's just the timing. I mean, this guy has so much time on his hands. You know, he's just supremely gifted. But. Uh, again right. it's not his individual performances it's when we string those performances across the top 6 and this is where south africa is doing so much better in this tournament or leading up to this tournament compared to other guys like pretty much everyone in their top 6 has performed consistently in most matches
2: yeah you may want to think they may want to also challenge themselves they've done really well they have one of the orders batting orders that are doing really well shreyas shyer you may want to see a few more runs from him, right? So that it sort of falls in place completely. But otherwise, I'm thinking they'll want to sort of put it in place in such a way that even under pressure, when they're going gets stuff, seven, eight and over or 20 overs or something, they're able to deliver. That's probably what they'll need to also do next. Yeah, true, true.
0: And uh, look, I, I have full faith in India's bowling attack. And I think today we've got our three... Frontline baseman, and then you've got really good spinners in Jadeja and Kuldeep. And I'm so happy to see that Kuldeep now is more or less of an automatic selection
2: in the playing eleven. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's good. That's always great. I mean, I think he's made those tweaks, right? He's bowling faster, and he had the confidence. Now he has the confidence.
0: Importantly, he's taking wickets, and his economy is still under six. Perfect. Yeah, indeed. And that's what you want from one of your spinners, isn't it? Like, not Wait. only are they keeping the runs tight in those middle overs, but also getting your regular wickets. Even
2: if it takes like two wickets every innings, that's still substantial. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a bonus, right? The way for a spinner to keep the runs down is always a bonus. What we expect from our spinners is that they go ahead and take wickets. So this, yeah, is, this is very good bowling. Yeah. From, uh, and I think this very will good be... Bowling.
0: Mm-hmm. This will be New Zealand's other test as well, because they haven't had to face bowling of the same caliber in their first four games so far. Exactly. I think Indian bowlers have been the best in this tournament so far. I mean, uh, oh, by without far a doubt. Often, you, yeah. As a unit and to an extent individually as well.
2: Mm-hmm. So there's no doubt about it. Yeah. With all this praise being uh, given, I must say, I hope they don't uh, peak too early. Uh-huh.
0: Well, I, even then, I don't think it'll be the bowlers that cost India the match. You know, more often than not, it'll probably be a collective batting failure of sorts that will cost India. Because other than that, you know, India has got a really good unit. They've got good balance in the team. And pretty much most of them are performing as well as they would be expected. Mm-hmm. It's It's those differences come in. When you have really tight game situations and who wins those situations, whether the batters keep their calm and are able to accelerate or whether they lose their minds and sort of, uh, you know, get out. And then it just adds to the pressure lower down. But that remains to be seen. I I am quite bullish on India's chances to win tonight.
3: Yeah, I think they're speaking early, but it's also a bit... Uh, I'm not fully fully buying into that because I think dominant performances uh, also matter sometimes. I mean, like Australia in 2003-2007, they did not lose a single match uh, and they were dominant throughout. So they didn't, (laughs) peaking early didn't matter to them, uh, nor for the West Indies in 75 and 79. Uh, So, uh, I mean, it, it could be great if India can win all the matches and... (laughs) <laughs> in the knockout as well. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, let's mm-hmm. say, I mean, first over has been a maiden. um yeah, which, it is, has. which is good. So, you know, it just goes to show it's that like New Zealand are not going to take any unnecessary risks against these bowlers. No. Yeah. They're yeah no, I mean, they're I
3: mean, the good up thing up. is uh, Shadul is not playing today as
0: well. So, <laughs> <that is>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the great Shadul experiment, you know, sometimes I wonder, and this is just me, That between him and Ashwin, the reason Ashwin gets benched is because they know what Ashwin is capable of. You don't need him to be match ready. You don't need to test him every single game because you know he will deliver. Whereas with Shadu, I don't know whether it's an issue around... It can't be confidence because that man is confident like hell. But you know it might be getting him into the routine of bowling regularly getting his lens right getting the plan spot on something like that I, I don't know what it is i mean it would be interesting to have someone from the team management perhaps after the tournament is done shed some light on these selection topics
2: well it, we would yeah, all like that
0: as fans i don't yeah, see it do. coming <laughs> no. Maybe after Dravid retires and is like a really old man. and uh, Look for a book. I say yeah. look for a book. A, a real
2: all book. Right? Yeah, exactly.
0: All right. Well, on, on that note, I think we shall all go and start watching the game. Ajit, thank you so much for coming on the show. Always and, a pleasure. Uh, you're glad, always glad to have you on as well. All right. Well, we shall bid our listeners a very good day, evening, morning, noon, night, wherever they are. And uh, hopefully everybody gets to enjoy the game. And uh, yeah, let, let's hope for a good second half of the tournament now. Yep. Thank you. Because yeah, we've had some really interesting results, which has actually thrown open that middle <coughs> of the table. Uh, I just hope that we had a few closer yeah. games as well, you know, that would make oh, the competition a bit back. more. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's one thing we have lacked so far. There has been no nail biting finishes. So, no, uh, not yet. But no, I think as we get into the more uh, juicier end of the tournament, possibly we might start having these ma- matches. All righty. Well, have a lovely day, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. See Thank you later. Thank
3: you very much. See Bye. Bye. Bye.